Hey everyone, welcome to Summit Podcast, brought to you by Rosso. I'm your host, Johnny McCormick. Matt, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. It's a real pleasure to have you here with us. Thank you for having me. Matt, I always like to give my guests the opportunity to introduce themselves in their own words. So I'll hand over to you to say a little bit about who you are and what you do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my name is Matt Handley. I am a designer and facilitator. Um, I design and facilitate collaborative working sessions to help big organizations solve complex problems quickly um, using more creative and inventive methods than they otherwise might have done. Um, outside of that, I am a pub quiz enthusiast uh, and improvisation comedian in training. Brilliant, Matt. It's so nice to have you with us. One of the things that you said in your intro that stood out to me was this idea of helping teams make decisions more creatively or collaboratively. And I think that maybe doesn't vibe with how we think decisions get made in organizations. So we might often think of, you know, a stuffy room with lots of suits sitting around a table, staring at a whiteboard, looking at each other a little bit bored, perhaps, um, trying to flesh out a decision, running down the clock until the meeting's over. Can you say a little bit more about what you mean by injecting creativity or collaboration into a decision-making process? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the sort of work that we do, we work on a whole range of problems um, across industries. So we're completely, or I'm completely content and industry agnostic. Uh, what we're interested in are complex problems. Um, and if you're trying to make a decision around a complex problem, if it was just a politically complex issue, you'd get all of the key stakeholders in a room together, much like you kind of said there. If it was just a uh, an emotionally complex problem, you might run some focus groups or, or maybe take a more kind of conventional um, HR-based approach. Uh, and if it was a technically or rationally complex uh, decision that needed to be made, you could just get a bunch of smart people in a room together. Um, where I'm really interested in where the work that, that I do has power is when it uh, when the problem maps over two or more of those different elements of complexity. And we find that when that happens, you need to take a slightly different approach. So for our sessions, and you know, we could be doing anything from helping an organization decide upon a new vision and strategy, helping them to redesign their operating model, helping them to design a new training curriculum, um, helping them design a new CRM system. We find that we get better decisions made and, and decisions made quicker when we involve as broad a constituency of stakeholders as possible. So what one of my sessions would look like would be getting maybe, you know, anywhere from 15 to 150 of the key people from the organization in one room together uh, for one to three days. Uh, and over that one to three days, we'd help them, first of all, you know, take a look around what was happening within their organization, taking a look at different organizations that they can draw inspiration from, really trying to cast the net broadly in terms of bringing in new input and, and stimuli into the room in order to help them get aligned on where they're heading and, and the problem to be solved. Um, then over a series of rapid iterative workarounds, we'd break down the problem uh, into more manageable chunks, get them working in teams to kind of, you know, come up with potential solutions to different parts of the problem, often working from different vantage points or, or, or taking different uh, different perspectives on the problem. So we might put participants into a future state of success and ask them how they got there uh, to enable a bit of right to left thinking. But, but it's all about helping to break down the problem, uh, get new perspectives, uh, help, uh, sorry, help them see their problem from new perspectives. Um, and then as we move towards the end of the session, it's about making some decisions. So taking all of that 
uh, all of that great work and all of the sort of drafts of potential solutions that they've been doing and kind of collectively agreeing on, on what the way forward is, what are the decisions that they can make and, and who's going to stick by them moving forward. Um, I guess what, what we find effective about, about this approach is, first of all, you get much greater alignment than you otherwise would uh, if you kind of have the, the sort of black box with eight suits around the table that you described. Um, when you then go out and try and communicate that to the organization, that's where we find that often you cut up against a lot of resistance. Whereas if you've been able to involve the people who are going to be affected by the decision in the process of making that decision, then you get a much greater degree of, of alignment. Um, we get real acceleration as well. So our clients often tell us that through working in this way, they've been able to achieve weeks or even months worth of work in, in just a matter of days um, by getting all of the key people into the room together, by you know making those feedback loops as short as possible, um, by breaking the problem into manageable chunks, by removing distractions, we can get a lot of work done fast. Um, and we also find that we get a much greater degree of ownership. By, by, by working in this way, people are really excited uh, and enthusiastic to take what they decide, have they, have they have decided back into their organization um, and really champion the change. So I've found it to be a really kind of um, exhilarating and exciting way to work, but also um, one that works. So you said a lot of um, a lot of quite interesting things in there, Matt. There was a couple of things that jumped out at me that I'd love to jump into briefly, if that's okay. So one of the things that uh, you mentioned that sort of immediately smacked me right between the eyes was that you involve a broad constituency of decision makers, and then you went on to say you you know that sometimes looks like up to dozens of people in a room, up to maybe 150 people in a room. And it's it, it sort of seems to me like that maybe goes against conventional wisdom in decision-making, where, you know, we, we, we talk about trying to involve as few people as possible in the decision so that we can cut down the time to decide and make the decision more quickly. Can you say a little bit about why you would involve so many people over sort of a multi-day experience in making decisions? Yeah, absolutely. And I guess um, one thing to say before that is that in order to get to one of our sessions, we would form what we call a sponsor team. Um, so identifying who are the, the, the people who are ultimately going to be accountable um, for whatever is decided. And so that might be sort of four or five people. And we'd meet with them a number of times in the run-up to a session to make sure that we were identifying the right outcomes and outputs that we wanted to achieve the right objectives that we would have to fulfill in order to get those things and then figure out who's going to need to be in the room uh, to help us along. So we do kind of work with a smaller group initially to help us get to that, that forum when we bring together a larger group of stakeholders. Um, I guess we, we find it's, it's horses for courses. There are some sessions where I've done which have had you know eight to ten people and those would be uh, leadership alignment sessions. So when we've got an exec team that needs to come together around a new strategy or needs to decide on, on some new ways of working. In that instance, they probably would be appropriate to work with a smaller group of people. Um, but I guess in terms of why we would involve much larger groups, um, you know, I, I believe that the, the people believe in what they help create. Uh, if you're trying to affect major change in an organization, I think you're much more likely to be able to do that if the people who are going to have to live by the decisions that you reach have been involved in making those decisions. Um, also, they're going to be Better, better informed decisions if you bring together a diversity of stakeholders, diversity of perspectives, people from across the organization who can speak to the political, the rational and the emotional elements of the problem. 
um, we find that you'll get a much richer decision than if you just involve the the executive leadership team. You know, often we would find that the the, the diversity profile of an executive team is not in keeping with the diversity profile of the organization as a whole. So I guess that, that's just one of the reasons why you might want to, to cast the net a bit more broadly uh, in terms of those that you look to to help make decisions. Mm, that's great. So I personally, I, I mean, my my personal belief is that decision-making in organizations is incredibly important. It's actually probably one of the most important things that organizations do is make decisions. And I think that actually a lot of organizations back themselves into it so they maybe enter into it without as much thought um as as they possibly could and that's not saying that they're not putting thought into the outcomes or the decisions that they're going to make but more that they're maybe not rationally thinking about or explicitly thinking about the decision making process so the process by which they make those decisions to ensure they're getting the outcomes that they want and i i mean I, I really do believe that decision making and good decision making can be a differentiator in organizations. You know, the ones that do it well are positioned to capitalize more quickly on opportunities. And in fact, I think that's why startups and smaller businesses can be so effective at challenging larger, more established and even more well capitalized business is that their time to decide is so much shorter. So I'm interested to know what you think are some of the things that add unnecessary complexity into a decision-making process in most organizations? Like why do most organizations get to the stage where their decisions are just taking longer than they should, or they're more complex than they, than they need to be? Yeah. I mean, I, I think one of the things that we often find with, with our sessions is that when we get the group of people together, it's the first time that they've all been in the room uh, in one place and had the ability to really focus on making those decisions. You know, the, the, the people that we work with are often very senior. They're often working in incredibly demanding jobs in incredibly demanding organizations. And it's, it's difficult to get the, the headspace in order to, to, to make decisions. It's difficult to get the, the conversation space in order to make decisions. Um, and it's difficult to give yourself the permission to be creative uh, and to take risks and to make make mistakes in the course of making those decisions. Um, I think as a result, often people are either just just literally don't have the time and space, um, or don't have the 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 will um, to, to to make decisions. And I think that that's the gift that we try to give to our participants is by creating a container uh, in which they can put all of their business as usual concerns aside. You know, often we'll we'll ask participants to hand their phones in at the door so they can just focus on on the task at hand. Um, and we create a space, um, you know, the time away from time in which people can just really focus on, on, on making the big decisions that are going to govern the future of their organization. Um, I think there's also a point um, around making sure that we have the right stimuli and the right input. So as, as I mentioned in that design process, when we're working with the sponsors, we'll think about what are the inputs that we need to bring into the room in order to support participants to make decisions. And, and an input could be anything from on a, you know, a, a short presentation from the CEO at the outset of the session to talk about where we are. It could be bringing in a guest speaker from a different organization, from a completely different industry um, to provide a, you know, a challenging perspective and to stretch people's thinking on what could be possible. Uh, it could be bringing in um, a TED talk. It could be bringing in readings about the All Blacks or about F1 pit crews. You know, we really kind of get people to think widely and weirdly 
um, in order to support them to, to make different decisions. But by really thinking about what are the stimuli the participants are going to need in order to have the right information to make the decisions that they need to make, I think that we can um, yeah, put participants in a place when they're able to make those decisions in a more informed and, and more creative way. So it sounds, Matt, like what you've been saying is that a lot of these decision makers suffer from the 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 symptoms of context switching. So they're maybe not giving themselves the permission or the space that they need to get really focused on one decision at a time or one big problem at a time. So they're maybe, you know, constantly being interrupted by email, instant messages, Slack, Skype. They've got people popping into their office or nipping over to their desk. They're maybe bombarded by all of this external noise, especially if they're working somewhere like a coffee shop or in an open plan office. Does it sound like um, giving giving leaders the permission or the space to really get focused in on one problem solves a lot of those issues that they're experiencing around decision making. Yeah, I, th- I think it's really important. You know, part of the value of of what we deliver is just by literally having all of those people in the room at the same time, able to look each other in the eye and have the conversations that they've been often waiting weeks or months or sometimes even years to have. So. There is something really powerful just about just providing a space for people to be to be focused and, and the permission to be focused. But I think there's also something important about giving people the permission and the space to be creative. So um, session that I ran recently with a an NHS health trust, we were helping them to think about what the future of outpatient services might look like. So outpatient services being when you you know you, you go along to get your bloods tested or you, or you just go along and, and then get um, admitted to, to a hospital say overnight. Um, and this is a huge, huge problem for, for the NHS to uh, run our patients in a more effective way, a more efficient way, in a way in which creates a better experience for patients. And we brought together a broad coalition of leaders from, from across um, the different organizations that comprise this trust. And, you know, these are all phenomenally busy people who are doing demanding jobs in, in a really challenging setting. So just giving them the space was, was incredibly important. But with one of the rounds of work that we did, we had them adopt the persona of a different innovative organization that had nothing to do with health and ask them how they would approach the problem. So if you were Apple, if you were Amazon, if you were Fitbit, how would you pitch for the check for, for the, um, the opportunity to transform our patients? And, and the thinking there was that the correct answer wasn't going to be any one of, of those organizations. Um, but there would be little elements in each that would be instructive. So for Amazon, it was about um, scheduling and logistics. For Google, it was about having an interconnected network of devices. For Fitbit, it was about uh, leveraging wearables and, uh, and making the right nudges. And it was really interesting that the, the ultimate solution that they came up with sort of cherry-picked components from each of those different groups. Um, and what one of the participants said afterwards was that it was really powerful just having the permission to be creative in that way. And I think they, the word they used was it was liberating. And I think that even if you're not using a, a one to three day session, because that's not going to be realistic for everyone, um, trying to create those little pockets uh, in your day or, or in your kind of regular rhythm where you give each other the permission to focus, but also the permission to be to be creative, to take risks and make mistakes as you as you try and um, you know figure out what's best for your organization, I think can be really powerful. Yeah, so that's that's really interesting, Matt, and it sort of goes into an area that I wanted to get get into with you today briefly, and that was so if, if we've got someone 
um, listening to this podcast and they're starting to nod along, recognize some of the challenges that they maybe have with decision making in their organization or within their business. Um, they're, you know, they're struggling to maintain motivation to get decisions made, but they don't have the time, resources, permission, availability to get, you know, X number of people together, say two dozen people together over a two or three day um three day experience just because they 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 can't physically do it what are what are some of the things that you would recommend that they maybe start to try that could give them little micro doses of um better decision making or injecting some creativity or enhanced collaboration into their day to day decision making so if they were running you know a one hour or a two hour meeting, how could they maybe inject some of the stuff that you've been talking about? into that process. And I know you've already said things like, you know, from the really practical to having people hand their phone phones in can create that sort of mental space for them. And then having, having them adopt a different persona can give them permission to liberate themselves from the problems in their own organization and put themselves, put themselves in someone else's shoes. What are some other things that people could maybe try um, to get, get more clarity and quicker decision-making in their organization? Yeah, so I think uh, the, the first thing that I'd say might be blindingly simple and obvious, but I, I, I've been amazed at how many times it isn't considered, is when you're putting a meeting together, start by thinking about what are the outcomes, so the intangibles that you want to walk away with, uh, and what's the outputs that you need to create. Um, and so therefore, what's the objectives that you need to tick off? And so therefore, what is the agenda that you need to run through? I've seen so many meetings where the agenda is just kind of thrown together without any sort of intentional thinking behind it. Um, so yeah, just starting with what, 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 what's the stuff that you need to walk away with and how do people need to feel? Um, and starting with that, I've just found to be so powerful. Um, and then being realistic in, in your ambitions, you know, trying to cram in seven different decisions into a 15 minute meeting just, just isn't going to work. So being realistic um, about, about what you can achieve uh, I think I think is super important. Um, one really powerful thing that that I found is um, that the physical environment in which a conversation takes place is really really important to what happens. Um, and so, you know, our sessions take place in a purpose built collaboration environment that is specifically designed uh, to facilitate collaborative and creative working. Now, obviously, designing one of those isn't going to be realistic for every organization, but there are things that you can do to change things up. To to make sure the environment is supporting the, the sorts of interactions that you want to have. So that could be anything from if it's a conversation that's quite an emotional one or is going to require kind of um, to really emote and empathize with one another, consider moving the table away and sit people in a circle. It's really simple, but that can just kind of facilitate a different mode of interaction um, that takes people out of the way in which they'd normally converse and, and, and interact. Um, and I think that the final thing I'd say, and again, it's, it's one that you've alluded to already, is um, taking different vantage points to look at a problem. Um, so whether that be adopting the persona of a different organization and saying, how would they approach this? It could be putting yourself into a future state of success and asking how you got there. We often find that that kind of removes people's barriers and people ask um, you know, people don't don't ask like why would this not be possible. They instead they instead ask how could this be possible, um, or to flip it round, putting participants into, into a, giving people a future state of failure, saying we went wrong. What went wrong? What were the challenges that we weren't able to overcome? 
and then flip it around and say, okay, well now knowing what you do know, how would you overcome those problems? Um, you know, we often find that when people just think from where they are at the moment, um, all that they see is the obstacles. Whereas if you can kind of put people into a different perspective, um, then you can remove some of those and get people to think a bit bigger and a bit bolder. Um, so yeah, anything that you can do in your organization to create those little pockets of, of restriction-free thinking, I, I think can be really powerful. I mean, it also just makes the meetings more fun, right? I mean, how many meetings do you go to that have the same agenda, the same process, the same attendees, the room is too hot, people don't want to be there, perhaps, they're all looking at each other, wanting to leave. And I think, Matt, just as you've alluded to, doing something as simple as maybe rearranging the chairs, it interrupts the mental status quo for people and allows them to think and engage in a slightly different way. Yeah, and I think, you know, we, we often, for anyone who kind of facilitates or leads meetings regularly, we often get frustrated if we see participants not engaging or, or, or what we kind of perceive to be bad behaviors from participants. But I've kind of flip the responsibility back to back to you as a designer or a facilitator. What can you do to make your participants want to engage, uh, to make it, you know, so that they are interested, so they're engaged, so they're excited um, and kind of, you know, thinking of the time that they're giving to you as, as, as a gift that you need to make best use of. And as you say, what can you do to kind of change up the atmosphere, to change up the environment, uh, to make it a more engaging experience for them? Because that's when you're going to get the best meetings, the best conversations, and, and as a result, the best decisions. Totally. So I've got one final question for you, Matt, if that's okay. I think there's going to be some people maybe listening to this podcast and listening to the sort of things that you're saying and maybe thinking to themselves, gosh, that sounds like just an awful lot of effort for a meeting to make some decisions. So I don't think you're advocating that it's necessary for every meeting, but for some meetings and some decisions, going to that length might be um, a requirement from your perspective. But if someone's listening to that thinking it sounds like too much effort, do you think that that investment of time in really thinking through, you know, a clear agenda, investing time into deciding your outputs and designing a really thoughtful and perhaps different meeting experience, does that investment of time and effort always pay off? Yeah, well, so I guess the first thing to think of is that, you know, even if it is only say it's an hour-long meeting and you've got 12 participants there, you know, I often think about what is the day rate cost of this meeting? Thing that I'm running, um, you know, you need to make sure that you're making good use of that time. Um, but I think, you know, if, if you're running a meeting that is that isn't effective, then you're just going to have to revisit it later on. Um, if you run a meeting where decisions are kind of made in a huff at the end in the last five minutes because everyone needs to get out and move on to the next one, then those decisions aren't going to stick and people aren't going to support them and champion them. And you're going to find yourself having to revisit them later on um so i think you know the the the, the i like to think of that the, the, that time as an investment and i think it does pay dividends i think the decisions that you walk away with are ones which are uh, have the people have aligned around they're ones that have been made in a more accelerated way they're ones that have been made with better information they've been made more creatively so they're bigger and better ideas than you otherwise would have got and really really crucially because people have had a say and have had a role in shaping those decisions, they see their fingerprints over them. Uh, and so they're excited and enthusiastic to go and champion it back in the organization. 
you know, anyone who kind of works in this space would, would knows that, you know, creating that really broad coalition of, of supporters around the decisions that you make is absolutely crucial to them sticking. Um, so the, that's the long answer, but the short answer, is it worth it, is, is yes. Matt, thanks so much for taking the time and being so generous with your time to appear on the podcast today. Really appreciate everything that you've shared on how to make better, more creative, more collaborative and more speedy decisions. So I always like to flick it back to you towards the end of the show. Um, Matt, how would you um, like to close out? If there's any other final thoughts that you'd like to share in closing, you're more than welcome to do that. And if you'd like to share with people how they might be able to follow up, connect with you or learn more, please feel free to do that as well. Sure. Yeah. Well, so again, a thank, big thank you for, for having me on. And I, I always enjoy uh, the opportunity to talk about this stuff. I guess I, I just, I just reiterate those, those two big things to me are one, just, just think intentionally about everything, you know, from the, the agenda that you create to the environment in which your meeting takes place, always just ask that why question, uh, and that will lead you to to better decisions. And secondly, you know, just trying to create those little pockets and moments of, of creativity and inspiration uh, in your day. It, it can be really difficult, uh, but giving people the permission and the space to be creative, to be bold, and to make make mistakes, um, I think, is really really crucial. Um, yeah, if you if you'd like to to talk more, um, I'm on LinkedIn, Matthew Handley. Uh, or you can drop me an email on uh, matthewa.handley at gmail.com. Matt, thank you so much for your time. It was an absolute pleasure. No worries. Thanks for having me.